Dude, was that fun? Yeah, it's super fun. You know what I love too is Kyle's on our spiritual advisory board. That's the type of church I want to be a part of right there. Man, so let me ask you guys, how many of you have made a mess of yourself? All right, you bunch of humans. You know what's cool though? That's why we've been saying for 10 years, the K2 the church is for the messed up people. Because if anybody is actually honest, every person is messed up. But if you're messed up, then you also sing the other lines of this, of this song, right? I want to get back the rest of me. Anybody want to get that back? Because what happens is when you go off the path and you mess up your life, you realize you just lost something and you want to get that back. And then the last line was what? I want to spend the rest of my life alive. And can I just give you good news today? Jesus Christ came to buy back the rest of you. That's why he came. And he said, I came so that you could have life and life to the full. And so here we are, a total messed up people that God knew. He's why he said, I didn't come for the healthy man. I came for the sick, which is all of us, so I could buy you back and give you back your life so that you from this day forward could live. And so a few weeks ago, Susie and I were up here together, and we shared with you that God, through Christ, when Jesus Christ came, he revealed to us the mystery of God's will, that God had a purpose in Christ. And here's what the mystery of God's will is for you and I. It's to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. God's will was to say, you know what, you guys, so here's what you can know. If the will of God is to bring everything together, then the problem in this world is what? That we're completely divided. The separation, the division, the brokenness in your marriages, in your families, in your workplace, in the world, and right here at K2, you guys, this is the problem. And it's our brokenness that God says is causing the pain and the suffering in this world. And so my purpose, he says, in Christ was to get you back together with me, to reconcile you to myself so you could be one with me again, and then to fill you with my spirit so you could finally be free from the selfish thing that causes all the brokenness and that you could actually love each other and be one with each other. You guys, the greatest news, you know what the church is? The church is just a bunch of people who finally gave up trying to be good enough and they confess to God, I'm messed up and I need you to forgive me and I believe with all of my heart and soul that Jesus, when you died on that cross, you were dying to forgive me for my sin. And when you receive that, you received full forgiveness from God for anything you have ever done wrong. And so that reconciled you back to God. And then what he did, the church is a group of people screwed up who he forgave of their sin, and then he also gave you not only forgiveness, he gave you his spirit. And the church is a bunch of people filled with the spirit of God who now goes to work inside of us to set us free from our selfishness so we can love God and love each other. And so the will of God for K2, you guys, is that we would be united the mystery of God's will for K2, the church, is if we would be one and if we would be united, then the rest of the world would know that Jesus Christ came because everyone on this planet is trying to figure out how to deal with the division and the brokenness of their own souls and their own relationships and of life. And so that's why we're doing this series. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 18. 
It's a great passage where Jesus tries to help us to understand how are we going to be united. And you guys, it's, it's kind of interesting because he just lets us know. This is, this is in, he just says, if you're going to try to be one as a church, you're going to do it with stumbling, wandering, sinning, judging people. Doesn't that sound fun? Right? But here's the point. That's who we are. And so if we're ever going to bring the glory of God here at K2 the church, we have to figure out how to deal with the stumbling, how to deal with the wandering and the sinning and the judging because it's in here. So that's why we're going to teach this and I'm so excited about this. So today what we're going to talk about is the stumbling piece. And the word as a noun, it simply means that which you put down into a path that causes someone to trip or to fall. Or in a, as a verb, it means to cause someone to fall, to lead someone astray, to fall down, to fall into, to fall away. And here's what we're going to see today, you guys. You just need to understand this. Everything that God did through Christ was to bring us together like this. And there's some analogies in Scripture, all the way Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter. It talks about there's a path, and it's a path of righteousness. And that our struggle is that we stumble on this path, and we fall off it. And and then he talks about a race. You're supposed to run this race that's marked out for us. But there's constantly these lures to fall off. And here's what you're going to see, man. God, help us today. It's actually not okay to fall away. It's just, it's not. Because God wants us to have this. Now, can I ask you, how many of you have stumbled in your life? And I'm not talking in your, in your like moral life or anything like that. How many of you have physically stumbled in your life, right? So uh, my first job right out of college was a youth pastor, right? So I'm working with teenage kids. You're 22 years old. And so you want to show, you know, that you're, you connect well with these guys. And a bunch of my kids were on the track team. And so they needed some more people to time the races. So I volunteered. I thought, well, this would be a great chance. I'll meet some of the other guys on the team and make a connection with them. So what they had is they had this uh, platform. It was like five levels so that you could all stand above each other so you could see, right, when your person came across the line and clock them. So they, the race went down, and I, boom, I hit the thing. And, and instead of walking back down the stairs, I thought, yeah, I'm 22. I'm spry. I'll just jump off this thing, right? <clears throat> yeah, you already know where this is going. So, so I went to jump off it, and my foot caught it, and I literally face first into a mud puddle. <laughs> and that's, all, that's what they did, too. I stood up and everybody just stood there and laughed at me. It was so humiliating. It's not okay, right, to fall away. Last year uh, at Christmas, we were up at Susie's mom. She lives in Colorado. It's 8,000 feet, tons of snow. But on this day, I had to go run an errand and I was driving back and it was a day like today. Not a cloud in the sky, beautiful blue day. The street going to her house was as pure straight away. But I don't know about you, but... (laughs) When I'm driving on snow like that, when I see snow that hasn't been driven on yet, I always want to drive just a little bit on it. Anybody else want to do that? Okay. I just like, this is boring. I'm going to just go over here. So I did. And I just thought, oh, no, no, and I hit this. And sure enough, you remember Lad's illustration last week of hitting the gravel? Man, I went over and I didn't know it, but it, boom, it caught me and I went down the ditch. I had four wheels. So I'm like, oh, I'll just pop it right out. I couldn't do it. And it just slammed me right into this ditch. Here I am on a straightaway with a beautiful blue sky, and I have to call my brother-in-law and tell him I'm in the ditch. Do you know how humiliating that is? 
It's not okay, right, to fall away. Now, those are funny stories, but they're not funny when there are lives. And they're not funny when we fall away from what God has for us. And many of us in this room have had to face the world covered in mud. And many of us in this room thought, man, what, I, I didn't even think I was even doing that big of a deal. My life was fine. Was, and then you just went off and up and it caught you. And you're sitting in this ditch and everybody thinks you're fine and you're not. And you've got to humble yourself to somebody. I'm telling you guys this, what God is saying to us today is I came and my purpose in Christ was to unite you to me and to unite you to each other. And I'm telling you, it's not okay when you fall away because this is the life that brings you life. And this is the life that brings life to everyone around you. And this is the life that actually brings glory to me. So man, we're gonna go into 18 and we're gonna see what Jesus has to say about this stumbling, this falling away. Okay, and let's pray. Oh God, I, it was a great morning. Uh, I, I do know that this passage is strong. Um, you don't pull any punches. So I pray that you'll give us grace to be able to hear from you. Please, God, help anything. Help me only to say what you want me to say. Help me not to be too nice. And help me to share the truth. Because Jesus, you love us. You love everyone in this room. And here's one thing I know. You are way more intimately involved in our lives than we realize. And I believe with all my heart, God, that no one is here today by accident. But that you really want to speak to each one of us about stumbling. And you know, God, where we're falling away from you. You know every heart in this room. You know the emptiness and the brokenness. You know the lures that have pulled us away. And I just pray that your grace and your sweet Holy Spirit today would speak so gently and firmly, strongly. May we sense your holiness and your grace and your love. And may we walk out of here today with a determination in our own hearts to say, you know, it's not okay to fall away. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you have your Bibles, open to Matthew 18. And if you don't, it'll be up here on the screen. Here we go. Verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So here you go. So right off the bat, you got to understand, this is Matthew chapter 18, guys. They've been walking with him for a while. And Jesus is trying to help them to understand, listen, I'm talking about you guys being one with each other. If all you're thinking about is who, if you get to be the greatest, if you get the accolades, if you get the recognition, this is never going to work, right? So your very question, who is the greatest, is revealing to Jesus, we got a problem. So he decides to use an illustration in verse 2. He called a little child to him, and he placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So apparently, you need to be whiny, complaining, and selfish, right? <laughs> so actually, that's not it, right? Because Jesus is like, well, you're already whiny, complaining, and selfish. So that's not what I'm talking about here. No, but he does say this. 
All you're thinking about is yourself. Who gets to be the greatest? And he's like, listen, if you're ever going to enter in the kingdom of heaven, then you got to change. You can't be thinking about yourself anymore. Instead, you have to be like a little child. What's that mean? Well, verse 4 says this. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So what you need to understand is there were different words back then for children. <clears throat> the one that's used here is a small child. We're talking if it, was a, it could have been a baby that Jesus was putting up or a small infant. It wasn't your elementary junior high kid. Now here's what you know, right? If when a baby or when a child, when, it, when they're an infant, what are they? They're dependent, right? They're, they're totally trusting that their mom or their dad is going to care for them, going to feed them, going to protect them, going to watch over them. In, in fact, in that culture, children didn't have high status at all. In fact, even here in America, right, about 100 years ago, it was children are seen and not heard, right? And now today it's like children are heard all the time. And so, but there was literally in that culture, it was to be a child meant a low position, <laughs> There was a sense of humility because children absolutely had to trust that their parents would take care of them. And so what he was saying was, instead of you going off and trying to do your own thing and having your own plans and doing your own thing, you must come to a place where you become like a child. If you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven, it means you're done doing it on your own and instead, you've humbled yourself and you've said to God, I'm going to trust you now instead of me. I'm going to depend on you now instead of me. And that has to happen if you're going to actually experience the oneness and the unity with God. You guys, just so you know, what causes us not to be one with God? I think at its core, it's always because we think our plans are better than his. Right, Dan? <laughs> I was just talking with Dan right now, and we were just lamenting. It's like, man, we've got plans. And sometimes God doesn't do those plans. And that's, that's really frustrating. But I'm telling you this, man, right now, it's like that is the issue in our life. And so we don't experience oneness with God because we have our own selfish ambition. And he's saying, man, you, you've got to change. But here's what happens. As soon as you kind, finally confess your own selfish, independent nature that goes against God, and instead, you receive forgiveness for that. And then you say, I want to humble myself before you, God. And I'm going to trust you right now. I'm going to trust you for the rest of my life. And I'm going to follow you. Something really cool happens. You become one with him. Look at verse 5. Jesus says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Now, he's not talking about little babies. He's talking about those who have put their faith in Christ. And you guys, this is a huge statement. What Jesus is saying all through the New Testament, as soon as you put your faith in Christ, it says you are reconciled back to God. You are no longer separate from him. You become one with him. The Bible says you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And so Jesus can say, man, when you receive anybody who's put their faith in me, he goes, you receive me. And what's interesting here in the Greek, it's actually, if you, whoever receives one such child in my name, me receives. In the Greek, and that might not be important to us, but in their language, they knew me before the receives was just a point of emphasis. What Jesus was saying is, I'm one with anybody who's put their faith in me. 
And so do you guys understand how precious you are to him? As soon as you put your faith in Christ, he's like, you now have found what you were created for, and I came and I died for you, and you matter to me. And so listen to this. However we treat anybody who has put their faith in Christ, you are doing the same thing to Christ. So when you receive somebody, you receive Christ. When you judge that person, you judge Christ. How you treat us, this matters to Jesus, you guys, that we are one with each other. And one of the ways we can be one with each other is we start treating each other the way we would treat Jesus because we have been made one with him. And that's huge. So once you understand how important it is that we accept one another as Christ accepted us, that we forgive one another as Christ forgave us, that we understand this oneness. Now these next verses, I hope, will make sense to you. Okay, you guys ready for this? Here we go. Verse 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Okay, this is happy Jesus, right? <laughs> you guys, you know, we all like that Jesus who just loves everybody, right? What's he talking about here? This is Jesus who loves everybody. And what he's saying is, this is life. People with me, trusting me, depending on me, and not going off and doing their own thing. And so what he's saying is, listen, if you would happen to cause somebody else and may have them move away from me, Jesus is saying, I just got to tell you, it would be better to throw a millstone around your neck and go drown in the sea. Now, can I just ask you a second? Does that sound bad? Okay, I, this is a pretty intense illustration, right? Do you understand? Here's Jesus who said, I came to testify to the truth. I came to let you guys know, this is how much it matters to me that people stay connected to me. You got to know this, man. It would be better if you actually physically died than if you cause another, not kill yourself. No, no, no. Don't, don't, that is not what this is saying. But what he's saying is, that he, all he's doing here is using an illustration to help us to understand how severely important it is to Christ that you do not cause other people to fall away from him. And I, I tell you, man, when I, when I look at this, I just think, I don't think we, we even understand how huge this is to God. But let's talk about what it means to fall away, all right? If a person only becomes or enters the kingdom of God by becoming like a little child, then what that means is they were somebody who became dependent on God and they trusted him and they followed him. So if you cause someone to fall away from that, then what happens is that means a little one is no longer trusting or following or depending on him. And they have moved from humility and trusting to pride and independence. You guys, if you fall away, it's not, because can I just tell you, I mean, how many of you stumbled in your faith this week? Okay, see, man, I, this is not about oops and tripping and, and making mistakes. This is about falling away and not trusting him anymore. It's you all of a sudden relying on your own strength, your own wisdom, your own plans, and your own desires. And you guys, this is the curse of humanity, is we are constantly in this battle, 
to not stay on this path and to stay humble and dependent and trusting God. But instead, we have our own desires and our own will and our own ambitions. And here's what we need to understand. As soon as you go after your own stuff, you screw up the world. Because it's our own individual pursuits that cause havoc and chaos. And God came and he sent Christ to set us free from our own selfish ambition so that he could unite us. And this is what's beautiful is when a soul doesn't live for themselves anymore, but lives for God and lives for others more than they live for themselves. This is the Christian message. And so this is what it means to when if somebody falls away. So anyone who causes a trusting one to no longer trust him, anyone who causes a humble, dependent person to all of a sudden become proud and independent and selfish in their ambitions. If we actually cause each other to do that, that's where God is saying, man, I'm telling you, I am one with these people. Do not cause them to fall away from me. And what's interesting, he says, it's better. It'd be better for you because this matters so much to me. Now look at verse seven. He says, woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come but woe to the person through whom they come. Here's what I love about Jesus, you guys. This woe, I don't know what, every time we hear a word, there's kind of emotion that comes with it. This is not woe to you. The word woe was a warning, but it always came with compassion and sorrow. So even here, when Jesus is saying woe to the world, even this breaks his heart. It's kind of like how he stood over Jerusalem and he looked at all these people who wouldn't follow him. And it says, what did, and how did he react? Was he up there going, man, what's wrong with you guys? No, what did he do? He wept. He wept. See, God does not want anyone to experience the wrath or the life that's separated from him. No one. And then what's it say? It says, such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. In other, in other translations, it says, these, it's inevitable, you guys, that these things are going to come. There are going to be things that are going to try to lure you away from a humble faith in God. And one of them is right here, right? Our own hearts, don't, our own hearts struggle to say yes to God. I, I, we should, you know, maybe next week we can sing the hymn, you know, my heart prone to wander. <laughs> yes, it is. And then the, everything in this world, you're going to walk out of here, and so am I, and there's not going to be one thing we're going to see that's going to encourage us to humble ourselves and be dependent on God, right? Everything out there is going to tell you you can do it and you should pursue whatever you want. The antithesis of the kingdom of heaven. We're going to be faced with it 24-7 as soon as we walk out of here. And then the spiritual enemy that Jesus tells us we have, the very first lie, and Jesus said he is the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language. And the first lie he said to Adam and Eve from the very beginning was you do not have to rely on God. You can do it yourself. You can do it yourself. And for thousands of years, humanity has been broken and hurting and struggling because we do it ourselves. And God says, you guys, I do not want that. I came and I sent Jesus for one purpose, to set you free from your own selfish ambition so you can come together. Then, now here's what's interesting, you guys. None of us in this room, and my guess, most of you in this room, none of you, you're, you're sitting here and you're going, man, I don't want to cause anybody to stumble. I don't want to cause somebody to go, to turn away from God. Anybody want to do that in here? Maybe, I don't know, maybe. But most of us are like, no, I would never want to do that. Well, here's the key. You only cause someone else to stumble when you're stumbling. 
If you're not stumbling, you don't cause other people to stumble. But when we stumble, then we can have effect on everybody else. So here's Jesus, classic statement. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. This is happy Jesus again, isn't this? But you guys, here's what we can't, you can't read the Bible and go, ah, I don't like that part and toss that aside. If we're going to like anything Jesus says, we got to listen to everything he says. And here he is saying, listen, it is not okay for you to stumble. It's not okay for you to fall away. And when I, and I think about this, you guys, and by the way, you guys know he's not telling you to gouge out your eyes, right? I don't want to visit everybody in the hospital this week, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not his point. But what he is saying is, if there's anything at all in your life that causes you to turn away from God and to pursue your own thing and to say no to God, and, to, and, and then he said, then get rid of it. It is so worth it not to have whatever that thing is to stay in line with life. The way of God is life, not just for you. It's really important for you, but here's the other thing you got to understand is everything that you do or don't do affects everybody around you. Do you guys know this? This is the part that we don't understand. And it's true. I remember years ago back at our church in Detroit when some ugly stuff went down and our pastor just looked at me and said, Dave, here's what people don't understand. Our sin affects everybody. See, we are so Western and in our mindset that we think that we can do sin and it's just between us and God. And it is between you and God. But the point is, when you start wandering away from God, then it affects everybody else who's connected to you. And he says, we are a body. You guys, we need to understand this, that when we're stumbling and falling away, then we cause that infection to come into this place. Every time we don't say yes to God, then stuff that God wants to do didn't get, didn't get done. I, you know, I think about, I thought about, you know, I had to live with this all week, right? This is the, kind of the interesting thing about having to study passages to speak on. You have to live with this stuff. And looking at my own heart and thinking, God, when do I not say yes to you? Because every time I don't say yes to you, then something that you wanted to do good in this world didn't get done. Somebody, maybe you in this room, didn't get the blessing that God wanted to do because I was too selfish or too tired or too lazy or too busy. You guys know what I'm saying? And so we need to understand that when we actually get to the point where we're saying no to God, it is affecting all of us. And that's why it matters to him so much that he says, I came and I died to bring all of you together. It's your selfishness that causes you to separate. And then the good things that I want to do in you and through you to the world never happen. So man, it's not okay for us to fall away. Now, here's what's interesting. When you preach the gospel, though, of Jesus Christ, because this is huge, right? Because one of the things you guys know, if you've been here at all, and if you're visiting and you're wondering about, about Christianity, the gospel of Christ says this, you don't do good things to gain God's favor to get to heaven, right? It's just, just, so that when you hear this passage, you're like, wait, what a second, I got to do good stuff or I got to cut off my hands and, you know, or I'm going to be thrown into hell, you know? Jesus comes, he goes, wait, wait, wait a second. 
I'm using illustrations to help you understand the severity of what it is for me to stay connected to you. But the only reason you ever got connected to me was not because you were doing a bunch of good stuff. It's not because you were working hard. It is a free gift from God. You don't work to get God's favor. You admit that you don't, can't do it, and then you receive his free gift of forgiveness. But what happens, and what's been happening for 2,000 years, is when somebody, if you're actually preaching the gospel message correctly, okay, listen to this, then people will always go, you mean I can just keep sinning and Jesus will forgive me? Sweet, right? And this happens. So look at this. In 2,000 years ago, Romans chapter 6, Paul says, well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? See, this is what people are saying the same thing back then. And then what's his answer? Of course not. He goes on to say, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it anymore? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined, look at this, when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we were joined him in his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So what is he saying? He's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Why would you want to wander away? You really want to live a life in a mud puddle? You really want to live your life in the ditch? Do you guys remember what sin did to you? Do you remember how sin was eating away at your soul and causing heaviness? Do you remember how sin destroyed your relationships? Why in the world do you want to do anything against God and then be forgiven for it? And so he's saying that's not the answer, you guys. This is the life right here. That's not the life. And so I I just want to tell you, and I usually don't bring up LDS stuff here, you know, on Sunday mornings, those of you guys who have been here for 10 years. But I will say after 10 years, one of the things I hear over and over again, right, is the, it's people in the LDS faith will look at the Christian message and say, you guys just teach this grace thing and it just totally takes you off the hook. So you can just sin all you want and then you just think you're forgiven. And there's something inside of them that just goes, that just doesn't seem right to me. Does that seem right to you guys? Okay, ready for this one? Look at this, Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. That's the greatest news in all the world. You do not work for your salvation. You do not prove to God that you're good enough and then have him go, come on, a little more, a little more, a little more. Uh, Nope, you missed it. (laughs) That's not good news. (laughs) Gospel means good news. Good news is... It's finished. You're completely saved. All of your sin is forgiven. Can I hear an amen? That's good news. But if that's happened, then look at verse 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which would mean better, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As soon as you receive his grace, it says you receive the spirit of God. And you know what that means? God goes to work inside you. And what's he do? He starts working in you to do good stuff. But you don't do the good stuff to gain his favor. You do the good stuff because his spirit's inside of you and you can't help it because God's going to work. So that when you drive off into the ditch, you go, what in the heck am I doing over here? I don't need, I, and then you just confess your sin. He cleanses you and you get back on the path, right? You don't live in the ditch. 
That's the point. Because God's working in you and he puts you back on here. You make a stupid mistake and you fall into the mud and you have shame and all that kind of stuff. And then you go, wait, wait, wait a second. Jesus died for that. So you get up and I love this. I teach my kids all this time, right? First John 1, it says, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you get right back on the path and you just keep going. You Oh, let me, one more verse and then I'll explain it. Look at this, Titus chapter two. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. It's a total gift from God. But what does the grace do in verse 12? It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Here's what, hear me on this, you guys. Jesus came to save us from our sin. Not just to forgive us, but to save us from it. And if you have actually received the grace of God that is a gift that saves you, then that grace goes to work and it starts training you to say no to ungodliness. So you don't stay in the ditch. And if you are right now in the ditch and you find yourselves walking away, falling away from God, then Jesus comes back and he says, man, then cut it off. Cut it off, because that's not what I die for. What is your thing today that causes you to stop saying yes to God? What is it today that you're doing that you know is not in God's will? If you're truly a follower of Christ, you have this grace inside of you that when you're in the ditch or the mud puddle goes, get out of there, get out of there. And you go, yeah, well, what, now? what am I doing? Confess your sin because it's all forgiven in the first place, let him cleanse you and get back on the path. But if you are someone who is walking away from God continually, then I gotta just tell you, you gotta check your heart and see, is the grace that saves actually in you? If it is, then it's bugging you. I've said this for 10 years. It's not that I can't sin, I just can't enjoy it like I used to. That's what this is all about. Because the grace of God is in me. God's at work in me. And when I fall in the mud puddle, he goes to work and he says, that's not the life I created you for. Get back on the path. And a true follower of Christ confesses their sin. They don't live in it. They don't continue to live in the mud or the ditch. You're a child of the king. You get back up and you get on the path. So very clearly, you guys, Jesus has given us an application, right? Cut it off and gouge it out. Here's another way to put it. 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So I, I tell you, this has been a great verse for me. <laughs> We're doing this men's fraternity thing on Wednesday mornings. And we're learning about how much we get lured away into stuff. And what we've been learning is you need a verse. You need actually God's word. The Bible says it's like a sword, right? So when stuff tries to lure you away, you do have a sword to go, wait, no, wait, you know, to the temptation. This is mine right now. As soon as I feel something luring me into something, pulling me away, trying to get me not to do what God wants me to do, all I have to do is say that right there. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Because I confess his name. And that means I don't live in the mud. I get out of it as quick as possible if I fell into it. Here's the last one. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You guys, God has marked out a race for us. And here's what it is. Love me with all your heart and love each other as you love yourself. Be one. The mystery of my will is I sent Jesus to take away your selfish sin, to fill you with my spirit so that you could be one with each other. And I'm telling you guys, K2, the church, we're going to do everything we can. We've got to do everything we can to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let's run the race to love each other, to be one with each other, to accept each other, to forgive each other, to bear with each other. Let's do this thing. Because if we do this, then the rest of the world is going to see that the Lord is good and they're going to know that Jesus Christ is worth putting their faith in. And that's God's call on our life. So, are we going to stumble? Yes. Are we going to be prone to wander? Yes. Are we going to be walking away, wandering? Yes. But according to Jesus, that's not okay. He died so you wouldn't have to live like that. And so I believe that even today, you guys, some of us right now, you just need to, you've heard this message and the spirit of God's been speaking to you and you know right now that there's stuff in your life that you need to confess to him. So hey, let's do this. Can I just pray for you? Let's just, let's just, let's just let me just pray for you and we'll, and we'll close this out. Oh, Lord, there's not one of us in this room, if we really thought about it at the core, who doesn't long to be free from ourselves. There's not one of us in this room, God, who doesn't want to be in relationships that are healthy and life-giving and that last. But man, we need your grace to save us from our sin and to train us, to equip us, to work in us, to set us free. Jesus, so thanks for this word that you said that we have to change, we've got to become like little children, but we are always going to be tempted to want to do our own thing instead of depend on you. And Lord, would you move even right now in this room and just speak through your sweet spirit. Show each person in this room what is the thing they need to gouge out? What is the thing they need to cut off? What pursuit, what desire, what's captured them that keeps them from staying connected to you? And I would just say, go ahead and take a second now and just confess it to God. If you know what it is in your heart, just confess it to him even right now. And so, Jesus, we praise you because you knew that we would be prone to wander and to fall away. So thanks for forgiving us for all of our sin. And thanks for the power of the Holy Spirit to not have to live in it. God, would you help us here at K2 to be one, to be unified. Give us a humble heart and a self-sacrificing spirit that cares about others more than ourselves. May we honor you by being one. It's what you came for. It's why you sent Jesus, and it is our life. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen.